God, I thank you that you are a God who sits with us in lament. Lord, that you're good and you're kind, like we sang, even when the world is so far from good and kind. God, this morning we praise you as the one who cares for each heart, as the one who's making all things new, and as the one who has good plans and purposes, even when we can't see them. And so, Lord, as we turn to your word, we ask that you would center our hearts on the firm foundation of your love. God, would you continue to fix our eyes on you? Holy Spirit, come, anoint your word, anoint me to preach your word, anoint our ears and open our hearts and speak, Lord, for we long to hear from you. Amen. Good morning, Gold Avenue Church family and friends. I'm Pastor Jalisa, and though I'm finding myself missing your faces and your smiles now more than ever, it's still good to be united with you in worship and to be with you seeking the word of the Lord, even from a distance. You may recall that last week, Pastor Gina launched us into a really exciting series called Preparing to Build. Through this series, we'll be walking through the books of Ezra and Nehemiah and following along with God's chosen people who had been exiled as they slowly returned to the promised land in order to build back their city and their temple and the land that had been destroyed. As we were told last week, this is a series about renewal, both corporate and personal. At Gold Avenue Church, we've been called to cooperate with God in bringing about renewal and revival. We've been called to embody, advance, proclaim, and really be part of building God's kingdom here on earth in our own personal lives and together. And so this morning, let's dig into the word and learn more about what it looks like to prepare to build God's kingdom. So we're in Ezra chapter three. And as you find it, you may notice that we did chapter one last week and we're hopping over chapter two. And so I want to invite you to read chapter two on your own if you haven't already. Um, and if you haven't already, check out the summer sermon series resource on our blog for more information and a reading plan. It's such a great tool. So make sure you check that out. All right. So we're reading from Ezra chapter three. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, the people assembled together as one in Jerusalem. Then Joshua, son of Josedek, and his fellow priests, and Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and his associates, began to build the altar of the God of Israel to sacrifice burnt offerings on it in accordance with what is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. Despite their fear of the peoples around them, they built the, the altar on its foundation and sacrificed burnt offerings on it to the Lord, both the morning and evening sacrifices. Then, in accordance with what is written, they celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles with the required number of burnt offerings prescribed for each day. After that, they presented the regular burnt offerings, the new moon sacrifices, and the sacrifices for all the appointed sacred festivals of the Lord as well as those brought as freewill offerings to the Lord. On the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, though the foundation of the Lord's temple had not yet been laid. 
Then they gave money to the masons and the carpenters and gave food and drink and olive oil to the people of Sidon and Tyre so that they would bring cedar logs by sea from Lebanon to Joppa as authorized by Cyrus, king of Persia. In the second month of the second year after their arrival at the house of God in Jerusalem, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Josadak, and the rest of the people, the priests and the Levites, and all who had returned from the captivity to Jerusalem, began the work. They appointed Levites twenty years and older to supervise the building of the house of the Lord. Joshua and his sons and brothers, and Cadmiel and his sons, descendants of Hodaviah, and the sons of Hanandad and their sons and brothers, all Levites joined together in supervising the working on the house of the Lord. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals, took their places to praise the Lord, as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good. His love toward Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. No one could, could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping, because the people made so much noise. And the sound was heard far away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Earlier this week, I found myself, as I often do these days, sitting on my front porch. It was one of those beautiful mornings. The sun was shining. My lawn was freshly mowed and it smelled so good. And the flowers I'd planted were standing tall. I was in my favorite cozy outside chair with a good cup of hot coffee and the birds were chirping. It was serene and it was beautiful and it was peaceful. And yet somewhere deep inside, I had this nagging longing, like that feeling you have after a long trip away from home or a long hard day where all you want to do is go home. Even though I was sitting on my own front porch, I just felt like I wanted to go home. I wanted to be in that place where there's peace and comfort and contentment. That place where everyone is safe and seen and heard and loved and provided for. I wanted to be where all is right with the world. Because right now, this past week, so little in our world feels quite right. In the wake of COVID-19, so many milestones have been missed. Proms, graduations, family celebrations. So many people are having to go on and try to survive without work or income or even unemployment. Businesses are suffering. Workers are being laid off. Schools, ministries, and other leaders are facing impossible questions. Everyone's missing family and friends and meals together and worship together even handshakes and hugs. Nothing feels quite like it used to. 
And no one really knows what moving forward looks like. And now this week, the world is once again shattered with more senseless violence, sickening racism, and hatred. The sun is shining and yet nothing feels right. Though most of us are home now more than ever, this world feels less and less like home, less and less like a safe and good place. And so it seems no coincidence as I thought about it that the Lord has us joining in through his word with the people of Judah as they return to a home that no longer feels like home. Seventy years ago, in three phases, the land of Judah and the city of Jerusalem had been laid completely bare. The leaders and the wealthy had been dragged off into exile, and many of them had been murdered. While the poor were left to fend for themselves in a city of ruin. The glorious temple of the living God that Solomon had built with unmatched splendor had been toppled, pillaged, and burnt beyond recognition. The holy ark of the covenant that had been so diligently carried through the desert and across rivers was gone. Many of the people had died at the hands of their conquerors, and the very glory of God that had dwelt among his people for generations in a cloud, first in the tabernacle as the people wandered in the desert and then in the temple, had literally just lifted up and left. To make matters worse, the nations surrounding the land remembered how powerful Judah had once been. They remembered how their own nations had paled in comparison and they hated Judah. They had enjoyed the destruction of the nation and were bent on keeping it that way. They opposed the people and they opposed the building of the city and more than anything, they opposed the building of the temple of the living God whose power they had seen before and had grown to fear. They opposed the building of the temple to the God that had time and time again been victorious over their own gods. The kingdom of darkness has always opposed the building up of the temple of God. As we heard from Pastor Gina last week, in God's infinite goodness as a promise keeper and a way maker, God had miraculously made a way for his people to be released from their exile. He brought them back to the land that he'd promised them, to their home. And yet, for the remnant of God's holy people, nothing was as it had been. For them, just staying alive was an act of defiance. All that was left was desolation. There was no place to gather, no glory, no temple, no walls, no altar, and opposition at every turn. Build was the charge God gave to his people. Build how, they must have wondered. Last week, Pastor Gina issued the same charge to us. Build. Each one of us is called to be a building block for the kingdom of God. We're being called to be shaped and formed into the people and the church that God made us to be. He's using us in our lives to build his kingdom, and he's calling us to cooperate with him, to build. And yet, how can we build when our world feels like it's upside down? How can we build God's kingdom while we're still confined to our own homes, when we aren't getting paid, 
when we're all missing out. When our daily rhythms and routines make no sense anymore. How can we build when we can no longer socialize or busy ourselves out of facing our own fears or areas of brokenness? How can we build God's kingdom when there's so much fear and anger and hatred and violence in the world all around us? How can any of this be turned around for good? For the kingdom? The contents of Ezra 3 that we just read are miracles, really, if you think about them. That a band of exiles were given the favor and funds of a pagan king to go home and build the land that was taken from them. It's a miracle in itself that these returned refugees would walk away from their own broken homes, empty fields and crumbling city walls to gather together in defiance of opposing nations in order to build an altar, to celebrate, to build a temple and a nation. It's interesting that the end of chapter 2 notes that the first thing that the exiles did when they got back to Jerusalem was to give all that each family could afford towards the rebuilding of the temple. That was a priority. Then, after they gave, it says, they went back to see the condition of their own homes and towns to settle and to begin to rebuild. But then this is where it gets really interesting. The temple is still a complete ruin. There's not even a foundation left on the ground. But it's the seventh month, and in the seventh month, the Jewish calendar dictates that it's time to celebrate the great Feast of Tabernacles. This is a celebration of joy. It's a festival where the people gathered in tents around the temple in order to remember God's covenant faithfulness to them in the desert when they had lived in tents in the desert. They remembered the 40 years in which the Lord had preserved the clothes on their backs, the leather shoes on their feet. They remembered that he'd sprung water from rocks and rained down food from heaven for over 40 years. Every seventh month, the people were to feast and rejoice as they remembered God's covenant faithfulness. But in the ruins of Jerusalem, there were no temple courts in which to pitch their tents. The seventh month gathering was also supposed to include sacrifices, and not just any sacrifices. They were to include burnt offerings, offerings that represented the people's sorrow over their own sins, Offerings that invited God's grace in response to their sacrifice given on a sacred altar. The sacrifice given to undo the schisms or separations that sin had caused between God and his people. But in the ruins of Jerusalem, there was no altar. No city walls, no temple, no altar, and enemies everywhere. Now logic states that if you've got enemies... You should probably build walls before you build buildings, right? But that's not where the people start. Before the foundation is laid, while the walls are still in ruins, the people begin by building an altar to the God of Israel on top of its original foundation. The people have been humbled. They know that it was their sin that had dragged them off into exile. It was sin that had desolated the promised land. 
It was sin that had allowed their enemies in, and it was sin that had burnt the temple to the ground. It would be their repentance and their sacrifice that would begin the process of restoration. Being in right relationship with God was more important than building a glorious temple. They learned that being in right relationship with God was safer than any wall. That being in right relationship with God was the only way to move forward. As one commentator put it, There cannot be a temple without an altar. But there may be an altar without a temple. God meets his people at the place of their sacrifice, even though there be no house for his name. Only after the altar had been built, and only after they'd offered their sacrifices, the people began to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, to remember and praise God for how he carried them out of Egypt, and for the first time ever to praise him together for how he delivered them again, this time from the Babylonians and the Assyrians and from exile. Just a few months later, the people gathered again, and this time to begin to build the temple. We read that in the second month of the second year of their return, the priests put on their priestly garments, their beautiful robes, and the Levites took up their trumpets and their cymbals, and the people gave a great shout as the temple stones were laid around the altar. And they shouted the very same thing that they'd shouted generations before when Solomon had laid the foundation of the first temple. The Lord our God is good. And his love toward Israel endures forever. Those who looked back and remembered what had been lost, all the things that had been lost, they wept with grief. But those who looked forward and those who remembered what the prophet Haggai had told them about not despising the day of small beginnings rejoiced and they burst forth with joy and thankfulness. And the text tells us that all that was heard was the swelling roar of God's people turning back to him, of a kingdom being built. Parts of the temple foundation that they laid that day still stand. And from this nation would come Jesus himself, the very lamb that was slain for our sins and the king who now sits enthroned above do not despise the day of small beginnings. Last week, Pastor Gina encouraged us to prepare to build God's kingdom by being people of his word and people of his prayer, of prayer to him. She called us to listen and read the prophetic messages of the Bible and to persist in asking God what time it was and how we were to cooperate with him and pray in and obey into his promises and purposes. And this week, I want to posit to us that the next step in preparing to build is to be those who start at the altar, who submit and repent and pursue right relationship with God, but also to be those who look back and celebrate God's goodness. To be those who shout for joy in the midst of lament and are overcome by thanksgiving for God's goodness and his faithfulness 
even when all is not yet as it will be. We don't worship God because everything is right. We worship God because he is the only one who can make and will make all things right. To the people of God in Ezra, home was in the physical temple. It was the dwelling place of God. It was where they would go to repent, to be in right relationship, to worship, to commune with God. But today in our church calendar, we celebrate Pentecost. We celebrate the events of chapter 2 in Acts, where after Jesus had died, resurrected, and ascended into heaven, he sent his Holy Spirit that he had promised. Heaven blew wind and poured out tongues of fire and heavenly languages, and the Holy Spirit of God himself made his dwelling place within those who believed. Within us. Friends, we are the temple, and the very presence of God dwells within us. The very kingdom of God is making its home in us. God's kingdom is no longer limited by geography. It's not limited by enemies or by opposition. God's kingdom is not limited by lack of resources. The kingdom is limited by rebellion. But the kingdom advances through obedience and repentance. The kingdom advances through faith and prayer. The kingdom advances through worship. God didn't ask his people to ignore or forget about all the things that were wrong around them. But he did ask them to trust that he would do something about them. He asked them to praise him unashamedly and without fear as the one who always kept his promises. To worship him as the one who always had and always would make a way. Friends, no matter how heavy your heart is today, no matter how complicated or impossible building might look at this moment, let us not despise the day of small beginnings. Let us not be swept away by the hardship around us. Our God has called us to be people of revival. He's promised us his kingdom. And so let us be those who stand on his goodness. Let us be living temples, bearers of the very presence and glory and kingdom of God. Let us be those who rejoice and worship him in the midst of darkness for the faithfulness that he promises. Let us worship him without fear. For the Lord, our God, is good. And his love toward us, his people endures forever. Amen. Let's pray. God, we praise you for you are good. We praise you that your love endures forever and it always has and it always will. God, we praise you that you sit with us and lament that you don't ask us to ignore the hard things, but Lord, we praise you as the only one who makes the hard things right and new and good. God, we praise you that you are the one who breathes life into dry bones, the one who builds nations out of ashes, and the one who sits enthroned above. God, would you strengthen us to be people of your kingdom, people who stand on your promises, people who praise you as the God who is always good. And so, Lord, would you stir up worship in us as we stand on your promises. Amen. Thank you.